What's the strangest thing about the UK as an outsider? Saying way when someone falls over or drops a glass. People apologizing when passing in front of you at the supermarket. Feels good though. I'm in the UK from Canada. I can't imagine anywhere not apologizing anytime you mildly inconvenience another person. UK here, but my American ex seemed surprised that while let's go for a pint after work in the US meant let's go get a drink and then head home, here in the UK it's more like let's go get smashed after work. Apparently, you really mean that crap when you say one drink. I was going to deny that, but it's actually kind of true. I live in New York, and when a friend says, want to grab a beer, it means three to four beers at the most. If we're looking to get sauced, we always just say, you want a drink tonight? This would be a convo with my other half. Me? Babe, moff out. Her? Out, yeah. Not out, out. Yeah, babe. Just out. All right, see you soon. For context, out being a pub or a mate's house for a few, and out-out being clubs or a 12-hour bender or whatnot. Putting an X at the end of their text messages. I didn't even realize this was a UK thing. I thought everyone did it. Important to note, the levels of affection the amount of kisses provided indicates. X is a casual acquaintance, two X's a friend, three X's definitely shagging and or in love, four X's anything more than three X's puts you firmly in the psychopath spectrum in my opinion. There's a guy I work with and his wife sends about 20 X's after every single message, even if it's just like a sentence long. Something's going wrong there. Yeah, the meanings of one or two are a bit fluid, but if you go for three, that's definitely a leap beyond basic friendship and courtesy. Now you mention it, a lot of my British friends do do this, and I'd never really clicked that it was a common link. Interesting. And I should clarify, despite what a lot of commenters seem to think, I'm not actually British, so I'm being as educated here as any of you are. I just think the names they give to places are so oddly fascinating. Like Stoke-on-Trent or Kingston-upon-Thames or Alderman-Berry Square. They all just seem so whimsical and full of history. UK place names can tell you so much about the place. The Anglo-Saxons were fastidious with some of the geographical naming conventions, so the form of hill they used can tell you what kind of hill it is, whether it's steep, plateaued, etc. So like Swindon came from a name that meant a plateaued hill with pigs on it. Or you can tell whether Vikings had a prominent presence there. Like all the seaside towns up north that end up B are using an old Norse name element. And Skagnes might once have been a home to a very bearded person because of the old Norse hweg element. Possibly the skeggy bit could also just be a name. There are some excellent ones in the southwest where I'm from. Budley Solterton, Cheriton, Fitzpain, Westward Ho! The exclamation mark is actually part of the spelling. Lustly Cleave. All of the accents in a relatively small area. I'm a Brit and I live in the Midlands and go to university. I only live, and grew up, 45 minutes from my uni. But everyone from that area sounds completely different from me, and occasionally I'll have a communication breakdown with the locals, as we just cannot understand each other's certain terms or slang. The food alters an awful lot too. At uni, I can get oatcakes really easily. They're everywhere, it's bliss. But back home, it's difficult to find any. I'm obsessed with British panel shows. I don't know how people over there feel about them, but I'll spend hours on YouTube watching old episodes of Cats Does Countdown and Would I Lie to You. These are just quality comedy for me and far better than all the dumb reality shows on TV here in the States. Panel shows are popular here, but they're seen in the comedy scene as a necessary evil to get popular enough to go on tour. Watch UK Taskmaster if you want to see the greatest show ever made. Alright, this is wildly inaccurate. Every person on those shows will have been touring and doing the circuit for years. 
As an outsider who does watch a lot of them, it seems like panel shows are viewed as a reliable source of income you get to have when you're already popular. Downplaying everything, like, yeah, that's alright food, when in fact it was an excellent dining experience. It's out of love for the ironic statement, bit windy in a Force 9 gale. You think there's an issue when the house is on fire? You've got red on you when you're covered in blood. Or when things are horrendous. That stiff upper lip. My mate was 30 when she found out that her dad had lung cancer. He deteriorated rapidly while she was pregnant and died just two days before her baby was born. I went over to look after the kids so she could deal with the funeral arrangements, etc. When I asked how she was doing, she sighed and said, I'll admit, I'm not great. She obviously cried, grieved, and talked through her feelings. But when she had crap to be getting on with, she was amazing at powering through what needed to be done. For anyone wanting an insight into the British understatement, here's something to keep in mind. In everyday language, not bad means, hey, this is pretty good. It can also mean that something's not actually bad, but not great either. It's down to the tone of voice. Meanwhile, not great means awful in no uncertain terms. For a person to describe themselves as honestly, not great, or not doing great, means their world is out of kilter and they're dealing with an existential crisis which may well haunt them for the rest of their lives and would possibly send others to their knees. Tea and sympathy is required in these circumstances. Using the tube during rush hour as a tourist was like a sci-fi dystopian novel. Everyone was dressed the same and completely silent except for a few people saying sorry to anyone who touched them or that they touched. And nobody laughed when the posh English lady on the intercom kept saying, Next stop, Cockfosters. Transfer here for Tooting Broadway. Mind the gap. There's actually a reason for this. A lot of dystopian writing was based on English conformity in the world of work. The most obvious examples I can give is Orwell's 1984, where conformity is displayed truthfully among the elitism which still exists in Britain even now. Yep, it's strange being in a country like the UK where we all technically speak the same language, but the subtle differences and new systems make it so alien. And the commuting systems are the peak of it in my mind. Having tea. When I went over to the UK for a holiday, the people who I visited asked me what I wanted for tea. Like an ignorant fool, I replied with Ruibos. They were not asking what kind of tea I'd like, apparently. I felt a bit stupid, to be honest, but at least I know something new now. Nah, it's all good fun. I love laughing and talking about different terminology and cultures, like chips and crisps, car park, parking lot. Actually, even here, people do argue about what tea means. Even bread rolls, buns, cobs... Here in the deep south of England, we use tea to mean dinner. It's just contextual, like no one ever is confused about which tea the person means. I watch a lot of Premier League and thus watch a lot of fan channels on YouTube. I'm amazed at how quickly you guys can pull the most unique insults out of thin air and continue like it's nothing. Lukaku is crap, mate. He couldn't hit water from a boat. Captain, he couldn't lead a pack of ants to a picnic. There's obviously better ones, but I'm not as quick-witted as the Brits, so I'm not exactly doing it justice. But I love your humor and basically everything around football culture. Could fall into a barrel full of breast and come out sucking his thumb was a classic one of these. This is magic. This is how words were originally intended to be compiled. Hate to tell ya, I went to a ton of games a couple of seasons back and we aren't really being witty more than we remember two or three really solid lines and use them for a variety of players. Plus a big umbrella term for analysis is just calling them wank. Frickin' Ozil, he's frickin' wank, mate. Mesut Ozil in probability isn't actually bad. He's a world-class midfielder and a World Cup winner. However, should he have a bad game, he's thereby relegated to wank until he has a good run of form, which is known as doing alright. 
If he actually has a good season, he will basically be deified and have songs created about him. See Mohamed Salah for Liverpool the last two seasons. Actually, that's something the Terraces, football crowd, does over here that you don't see in America, is songs sung about individual players. They can be good or bad. When I went to see Everton a few years back, the crowd was singing to Tim Howard to the tune of London Bridge is Falling Down. Timmy Howard's got Tourette's, got Tourette's, got Tourette's, Timmy Howard's got Tourette's, frick crap wanker. I thought the strangest thing in the UK was the bars and nightclubs with signs saying to not attack paramedics. Unfortunately, all too necessary from what I've heard. For some inexplicable reason, a lot of paramedics have been attacked when trying to help people. I think it's because people fear them getting the police involved if you've got substances on or in you. In reality, paramedics only give a crap what substances you've got so they can try to help you. No use thinking someone is having a heart attack when they really just need naloxine. Such polite insults. I was watching some Brexit crap a while ago, and some fella told another dude that he was screaming across the bar in the most eccentric fashion. American here who's been on and off following Brexit. I love watching the House of Commons and especially Burko. In Congress, there's the idea of order and civility and not talking while someone else is. Over there, there's a whole lot of rebelling and sass and I love it. I'm British and the only insults I ever hear are long lists of things that would get you demonetized on YouTube. I was in Bath yesterday and some dude, probably in his early 20s, quite posh, in a suit, wandering down the main shopping street, having to stop and recalibrate himself every few steps. It was only about 5pm. Nice counterpoint to the tourists and the beautiful 18th century buildings. He's just practicing his silly walk. He was on his way to the Ministry of Silly Walks to get a research grant. You can submit your own stories to be featured here on the channel. The story submission link is in the description below. And if you want to listen to some vibey music in the background, check out Easy Mode, also linked below, and subscribe. The pub is the most culturally UK place and queuing is the most UK behaviour. Yet there's no queuing for a drink in a pub. It's a mental queue. Everyone knows who at the bar is to be served next. Sorry love, he's before me. Until you get the slag who knows full well he's cutting in front of you and others. The bar staff usually clock who's next anyway and ignore them. Or you just have to sort it yourself. Oi mate, not you. And a thumb over to the person you know who is in front of you. As a resident of the Nordic countries, I would contest that queuing is more British than Nordic. Especially Sweden. It's like a gosh darn religion over there. I've only been to London, but well-dressed people passed out drunk in alleyways at 11am. Also, the very defined rules about when you can speak to each other. People are very friendly within the bounds of the rules, but literally panic if someone engages with them outside of these bounds. Also, the drinking culture. Just wow. I want to clarify that I mean wow in both a positive and negative sense. A cleaning lady scared out of her mind by 20 drunks in a male bathroom was bad, but being able to drink from a bottle of wine as I wandered around the city with my friend and not have to worry about the cops was fantastic. Alright, now people are writing to me that it's illegal to walk around town drinking, but I will counter that I walked past whole groups of people on the source on the sidewalk, so I guess that if the police were enforcing that one, I guess I was the least of their worries. Okay, more people have written in to me, and apparently it's not illegal. Good to know. I gotta say that for the most part, I adore the British. Got to say that as a southerner, this is quite true down here, but as soon as you get up north, everyone is much friendlier and loves a chat. I met a dude from up north the other day, and he said the same thing without me mentioning my thoughts, whether positive or negative. He told me that he was very sorry that my whole perception of the UK had been formed in London. As a Brit, reading all of these stories has been a real treat. It might just be lunchtime beer talking, it's Friday after all, but I've really enjoyed myself. Cheers.
constantly making jokes about pedos, dark humor in general. One of my mates was chatting up a girl in a pub once, and once he nipped to the loo, I went over and told her she'd better watch him as he was a convicted pedophile. She shot off back to her mates and wouldn't talk to him again. When I told him why, he just laughed and called me the C-word. I'm Portuguese and I lived in the UK for two years. The use of cheers confused me so much. When I'm supposed to use it, is it a thank you? A goodbye? A hello? I'm supposed to reply cheers in return? I know it's probably because of a long shared cultural history and that most people live and die in the same areas they're born, but I don't understand the different stereotypes based on towns, cities, and villages. I'm not talking really big generalities like people in the north are friendlier or people in London are more hurried and fast-paced. I'm not talking about large regional differences. I'm talking stereotypes based on specific, very small places. Well, he was from Derbyshire, collective eye roll, so you know how he was. You know how all those Yorkshiremen of a certain age act. All the heads nod in unison. I grew up in Kent, so I was not familiar with how those chavs from Milton Keys spoke. Multiple harumphs. I have no freaking clue what being from a specific small town or village means, but it seems everyone in the UK knows all the different stereotypes and idiosyncrasies of every village in the whole gosh darn country. It's basically a class thing. Everyone thinks the next town over is a crap hole, but if the big city two towns over says the same thing, then you all unite against them, and so on. Pull cord switches, mostly in bathrooms. Where I come from, we only have attached to the wall switches, except for maybe some super old lamps. One thing I can't wrap my head around is how people go partying wearing nothing but a shirt or small dress, regardless of the weather. Which is often quite cold, especially in, you know, winter. I observe large groups of such people every weekend, they're not even carrying jackets or anything, and they're taking the bus. This would be semi-understandable if they took cabs everywhere and literally didn't spend more than a couple of minutes outside. I've been living in the UK for five years, and what still gets me is people saying, You alright? instead of, how are you? For me, the you all right makes me think I look sad or sick. It's weirdly accusatory, even though I know it just means, how are you? We have that in Cumbria, too. A whole conversation played out as, right, right, thank you. And most of the time when they say it to each other, it doesn't even seem to be a question. Just two people saying all right to each other, not answering the question and moving on to the next part of the chat. Here in Ireland, Dublin anyway, we dropped the you. We just say, all right? And the reply is also, all right. If you're not all right, you don't mention it. American living in London for a few years now. One of the biggest things is definitely the drinking culture and how much it's embedded in all of society. I thought coming from the States that we drank a lot, but here it's on a different level. It's very common to have a pint or two during lunch breaks before going back to work. Pubs are on every corner, and the public drinking laws are astounding for an American. The sense of orderliness and politeness. Brits are amazing, diligent with following the rules. They queue quietly for public transportation, stand on the right, and don't outwardly complain when something goes wrong, though they're the best at tutting under their breath. Keep calm and carry on really is practiced in every part of life here. There's a sense of collectivism that I sometimes find strange when coming from a country that prides itself on individualism. Humor. The British humor relies completely on sarcasm, while American humor is more in-your-face slapstick. They each have their place and time, but sometimes it can feel exhausting to constantly have to unpack British comedy or humor due to its constant push for double entendres, ambiguity, and innuendos. <laughs> in your endo. I feel far too British to agree with the above comment and then chuckle at yours. As a Dutch person, the same sense of orderliness really struck me as well. It's like London is insanely crowded hell, though Amsterdam is worse, but everyone is doing their best to make it easier for each other. 
If the escalator sign says to stand on the left and walk on the right, or vice versa, people actually do what it says. It's amazing. It's great, but it leaves us with incredibly short fuses in cultures that don't have these customs in place. I'm a Brit living in China. I have to drink at least twice the tea I used to in order to recover from my subway journeys. If you would just bloody wait for me to alight the train, there will be ample time for you to board without having to push into me. So I'm British and I have an American friend I compare cultural notes with. One of my weirdest was when I mentioned finding a postbox from Victoria's reign. She was like, you mean your mailboxes carry information about the current leader of your country? To which I replied, of course they do, it's the royal mail. Postboxes, note the E, 2, and R, and crown at the base, indicating it was placed in Elizabeth II's reign. The Royal Family. Are they just mascots of the UK, or do they hold any political power? Officially, the Queen does hold some political power, but she chooses not to exercise it, as she's required to be politically neutral. This is mostly relevant when it comes to passing legislature. Officially speaking, it requires the monarch's consent before a new piece of legislature is confirmed, but no monarch has actually declined to do so in more than three centuries. There are some other parts of the process of government that require her consent or participation, but these are mostly ceremonial, such as the opening of each parliamentary session, think of these like school semesters, or the official appointment of the prime minister. In most other respects, they do act as mascots, though many of them also manage various aspects of the Crown Estate, which involves managing businesses and charity outreach programs, maintaining property and land, etc. Many of them also hold, or have held, positions in the military, though I think most British Prime Ministers have said that they really valued talking things over with the current Queen at their weeklies, as she was such a confidential, neutral, experienced, and pretty wise and level-headed person, except for when it comes to her children. I suspect Charles, if he doesn't pop his clogs before Liz does, will be much more of a pain in the arse. Hi, I'm from Germany and have spent some time in the UK. The one thing that was weird but nice was that people are polite when it comes to using public transportation. One time, the most annoying teenagers on the bus I was on stood up and left their seats as soon as two old ladies got on the bus. I find fascinating the current hatred and rivalry between the different countries of the UK. The Scottish government seems to despise the central UK government, which is England-dominated. In fact, it's really weird how even the Welsh, and to some extent the Republican Northern Irish, resent the domination of England in the UK as a whole. Weirdly enough, the English don't have their own devolved parliament, so the UK legislates for the whole of Britain as well as England's specific issues, giving rise to the West Lothian questions. Just a century ago, it seemed that whether Scottish or Welsh, everyone had no problem with being called British back then, when the British Empire was at its peak. Except the Irish, of course. Well, I studied there for a year, and I've been there countless times before, and after, I'm astounded at how much junk food there is everywhere. The first thing I was told when I moved there was, look out for chavs. I didn't know what chavs were, but not even five minutes after I arrived there, there had been two chavs fighting outside the supermarket right next to where I lived, with blood splatters still on the pavement when I walked to the supermarket. A little bit later, I learned quickly that you needed to avoid them at most cost. What I found fascinating was that the chavs could be any age, young or old. But the weirdest thing for me with the UK is that for a city to get the status of a city, it needs to have a cathedral. So for a big town like Middlesbrough, they can never become a city unless this has changed. And there are over 200,000 people living there. Hey, pal, sounds like you were at the Teesside Uni. My own hometown, no less. Chavs are a scary type, but they're also quite a complex social group. Not all are equal. Fun fact, Middlesbrough does have a cathedral. It's been rejected for what we call devolved city status since 2012, largely due to mayoral and councillor arguments. 
UK local politics deserves its own thread. To be a city in the UK, you need either historically to be regarded as a city from before the 12th century or have been conferred city status by the government. Originally, the title of city was likely to be given to places with cathedrals as they would be important settlements, but it's never been a prerequisite. I live near Brighton and Hove, which was granted city status in the 21st century, but doesn't have a cathedral. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. Put the playlist on in the background to finish listening to all the stories, or if you want some vibey music to put on in the background, check out Easy Mode. If you like Am I the Genius, give Am I the Jerk a shot. Everything linked in the description.